Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom. And always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed in now. We'll talk until we can't no more. And then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Everybody and welcome in to another episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. His I, Colton Robertson, and I am joined by Joseph George. What is up, homie? What's up? I'm glad to be here. Got a nice, easy, classic one today. Ooh, nice and easy and a much, much needed break coming off of uh, 1971's A Clockwork Orange and 1972's The Godfather. Uh, we're on to 1973 today, and for those who are unfamiliar... Started on the first week of January, 1970. Every week we're covering a film from a new year, 1970, 71, 72, and this week is 73. All the way through the last week of December, which we will be covering a movie from 2022 that week. So it's going to be a lot of fun this year, and like I've said a couple times now, this this week is 1973. But it's Mm -hmm. also 1962. Much to think about. We're talking about American Graffiti, uh, directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas, Gloria Katz, and Willard Huck, uh, and produced by none other than uh, Francis Ford Coppola, who was the director of last week's film, The Godfather, and the director of next week's film, The Godfather 2. So, Mm -hmm. uh, fun fun little trilogy of Francis Ford Coppola productions here in a row. Uh, But obviously, the the fun thing about this one for us... Is that this is the this is the thing that launches George Lucas's career to the point that he can financially helm an independent movie in 1977 called Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie made him a millionaire, and it gave him the opportunity to make a movie that he wanted to make. Thankfully, so. Um, after knowing that, you know, I, I learned that after I watched this movie, so it makes me like this movie even more. Oh yeah, um, this movie is incredibly impactful on our lives, whether you knew it or not. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford and George Lucas's relationship started here. It starts here. And um, uh, not only does Harrison Ford and George Lucas's relationships start here, Ron Howard and George Lucas's relationship starts here. And Ron Howard, uh, plays Steve in this movie, goes on to direct Solo. His daughter is Bryce Dallas Howard, who has directed several episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ron Howard and George Lucas's relationship uh, central here. And obviously George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, just so many, like, the crew George Lucas was running with back in the day. Like, in 77, when he shows Spielberg and Ford Coppola and guys like this Star Wars, and all of them are kind of like, eh? Mm-hmm. Except Spielberg. I don't know if it'll hit. <laughs> yeah, except Spielberg, who was, like, all in from the beginning. But I just love that George Lucas is, has this storied history with such legendary filmmakers as he is the creator of my favorite franchise of all time, Star Wars. Mm. Uh, but let's let's break this down a little further. We've got a, a, quite the cast here starring Richard Dreyfuss as Kurt, who goes on to do a great many things. Uh, this is one of his earlier works. Uh, Ron Howard as Steve. Paul Lamott as John. And Charles Martin Smith as Terry the Toad. <laughs> 
So overall, he's Smalls, right? In Sandlot, or is that does he just look like Smalls? Like the original? I think he looks a lot like him, but (laughs) because I I was like that's all I could think about with him, and then with Kurt, I'm incredibly looked so familiar, but I couldn't tell what he was from. So like. So with uh, Charles Martin Smith there as Terry the Toad, I'm so glad you said that because mm. I, for the life of me, could not figure out who Terry the Toad reminded me of. Mm. And it was Smalls from the Sandlot. Uh, <laughs> I do not think that's the same person, however. Because I was trying to think of whenever the original Sandlot came out and like... Uh, it would have been, oh, been 1993. Good. So yeah, yeah he, was, he been, was... Literally 20 years later. <laughs> he, would have, uh, he would not have aged a day. In fact, probably would have aged a little backwards. Well, I guess that's not the... Is that the OG? That yeah. Well, yeah. Never mind. That is yeah. He was a a bit older. <laughs> regardless, yeah. regardless, I'm so thankful you said that because I could not <laughs> figure out. And then Richard Dreyfuss, a distinct chance you've seen him in a great many things. He will mm. also be uh, starring in our 1975 flick, Jaws. Ah, where he maybe played. that's. It's almost certainly where you know him from. He plays a guy named that. And uh, I got to imagine if you recognize him from this era, thought he looked familiar, it's got to be Jaws. Hmm. Uh, here, And we'll be covering that in just a couple weeks after The Godfather Part Two. We're on to 1975, and that'll be Jaws. So all of it just coming together real well. Again, that's a Spielberg picture. Lucas, Coppola, Spielberg, Dreyfus, Ron ha- Like, what a wild, like, just connections all over the place amongst this group in Hollywood. Mm. But overall, uh give me give me uh give me how you felt about the film. How overall what uh what do you what do you take away from this? Um well this is a a movie that I wouldn't normally watch. Um you know if it if it weren't for like a pro- a project like this. Um like you know initially hearing that it's just some couple guys are going to go off to school and this is just their last night that they have together like that's literally like the whole synopsis basically of the film. Um, it doesn't sound, you know, cool. It doesn't sound invigorating, but like, then you just start watching it and you're like, ah, this is literally a night in 1962, just captured in camera. It's Mm. like a museum. Literally, this is like going to a museum and just experiencing the sixties or like it is is fantastic because I, I think to like the fact that this is from 1973 set in 1962 uh, where, you know, uh, it's a small town in California, and I don't know if you can do the do the math here, but George Lucas born in 1944, 1962 he would have been 18, uh, about to head off to college in Modesto, California. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's it, this is an incredibly personal project for George Lucas here. This is this is literally I, I'm pretty sure he is supposed to be Kurt. Yeah, uh, that's who I. That's what like, I project him in onto. I'm like, that's George, the guy who doesn't fit in, the guy who like talks to the teacher on the side. You know, that was like, hey, I didn't fit in. He like, I was like, all right, dude, this guy's George. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, it's it is funny though. Like, I I think back to uh, and I think we're projecting a little bit of our modern image of George onto Kurt here, mm. uh, because George was a fine looking young man back in the day. That's uh, true. George Lucas was a was a spiffy looking dude, and maybe uh, he was John, you know. Maybe he was John. Maybe, maybe he's he all. Maybe that. these are all him. Oh, well, and, and all and little like, bits at, and pieces of him. As you are, if you are a writer and you are writing characters, 
it is fair to say that every character is you in some way. This is something that David Chase literally just spoke to on a uh, Talking Sopranos podcast about uh, the many saints of Newark. He was talking about how, like, I, I, I could be Tony. Yeah, but I could also be Polly. I could also be Syl. That's like, true. I, oh, yeah. This Now that I think about it, this is like every character has, like, a bit of George in him. Mm. You know, the car-loving guy, John, the nerd of Terry, you know, the smart... Yeah misunderstood kurt and then steve i don't know steve i don't know really uh here's my takeaway from steve <laughs> uh, he's a fuck boy yeah uh, like, steve's well, bro. <laughs> yeah well, like and it is interesting because this is this is kind of for me like the predecessor to uh most coming of age high school flicks like this is this is relatively early on in that genre i'd say this goes on to influence like the breakfast club and 16 candles and shit like that all the way up to like the edge of 17 as recently as like that Haley Steinfeld mm. and Woody Harrelson uh, coming of age story just a couple years ago. Like, especially the Breakfast Club, though, you got this this core group of uh, I guess these are friends, not in the Breakfast Club, but go through a life changing day. By the end of the day, they have a different outlook on things than they did at the beginning. of it. Mm-hmm. And while. It is it, it is an incredible premise for a movie like that. That very idea launches the most classic '80s movie of all time, I'd argue, in The Breakfast Club. And we get and this is this being its predecessor. It is so so nice watching it happen. And I can't help only being a few years removed from this age, from uh, just having graduated high school three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, like relating quite a bit. Uh, there's plenty of it and especially as a dude who uh, I was I think this perfectly captures the uncertainty of this specific night which is like wild because the night before I went off to school the anxiety meter is on 10 I'm looking for anything to do it was literally two days before Three days before, just normal days, but that last day was like a, like this is the last day, you know? I am like moving. (laughs) Yeah. I've never lived anywhere else. It was wild. Like, this was, it's crazy how like, uh, even though this is set in 62, how just similar, like how these exact things just happen in any time in history. Like it's the timelessness of the yeah. youth, you know, like it's just, and that's what makes coming of age stories so good is the fact that no matter who you are, most of the time you'll relate to it in some way. If you graduated high school, you're probably going to relate to a coming of age story. Like, and it is, it is interesting because I wouldn't say that I, I, I came of age at that point. Mm. And I don't even know that I've technically came of age yet. Like, it's just kind of like, I'm kind of floating right now. I'll come of age. Uh, and I, I mean, like, I'm becoming, I've become more aware and more, like, more myself and stuff. So, like, I'm, I'm pretty set. Mm-hmm. But I know that's not true. I'm 21. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not set. Like, that's just not how life works. But I do think this is, this depicts that first step towards that that's always what the coming of age high school story is to me is like the first time you're truly thinking for yourself Mm. you know uh, you're you're on your own like uh 
Yeah. Yeah, you have all your friends there and whoever's going to be there with you, your roommate, whatever, but you don't have your parents in the house. You don't have your siblings in the house. You don't have your dog in the house. You know, like there's everything. You're leaving everything. Um, and it's, you know, that's, I don't know, just this movie on the surface, it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything spectacular, but it really just takes like getting immersed into the, you know, the time and just like living their stories, you know, like getting, Mm -hmm. like I found myself like so immersed into this movie. It was almost like the, like a clockwork orange immersed, like, it took a little bit, but once I was in, like I'm in, like well, I that's... was in the '60s, like yeah, that's another thing that's interesting about that that good that good of filmmaking, like like we mm. talked about a couple weeks back with the Clockwork Orange, how once you get immersed to the world, you feel like you're in it, mm-hmm. you're watching the events as a bystander in the world, and being that we've grown up in the early 2000s, the 10s, and now the 20s. Like, the 60s is so incredibly foreign that it does take a second to get immersed. Like, it's yeah. like, like this is this is a different world to me, which is fucking crazy. This was 60 years ago. Like, the <laughs> setting was 60 years ago. Whoa. That's wild. The 60s is 60 years ago. Specifically... When this movie is set, 1962, it's 2022. It is 60 years ago. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's like almost a whole person. That's like a that's a lot of someone's life, you know, like Yeah. That's crazy. That's a my long that's a long time. My grandparents in their 70s. Like hey, It just uh this movie like luckily it was a low budget film. Like, uh, because it, 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 uh, forced them to like have limited time in the city and like stuff like that to where, um, whenever they were filming, like two, like how many times did two cars come together and then they had a conversation like all the time. It happened like all the time in the movie. I don't, I can't even remember how many times, but when they were doing that, they had very limited time in the city and they had two cameras going at once instead of filming one car and then doing it like the, like a big yeah. budget would, you know, like exactly. a, a big budget film, they would do them separately. It's just way easier, but they legitimately like they were filming it like they were just going to film a night in the sixties. Like it was, it just felt so real. A lot of it was improv, you know, a lot of the conversations, um, like the conversations just felt legitimate and like uh nothing felt out of place like everything mm-hmm. felt like it mattered to the story it mattered to the night like it mattered to their these individual characters development over the course mm-hmm. of the night that's ult- like that's ultimately what it's about and obviously we have a few moments that are like obviously this movie's from 50 years ago oh yeah uh, uh namely mostly with John and his his companion throughout the night it's a little <laughs> like and i mean like I, I do appreciate the moral compass of of a dude in the six in sixty two here. Yeah, that that would be like, I'll like I, nah, this ain't gonna happen, and it never was. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, uh, it reminds me a lot. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Not yet. Okay, there's this scene with Brad Pitt, 
uh, where he's driving, he's driving a young woman home and she's like, she's like real, she's like really pushing, pushing, pushing for it. And, uh, he's like, how old are you? And, uh, she tells him and he's like, ah, nope. <laughs> like, like, and I, and I do think it is, it is important that obviously John's story in this is my favorite just because it is so, it, it does toe that line without ever, without ever going past it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it tells me that he more so than Kurt, Steve, Terry, and obviously he's a couple years older. So he's, he is coming of age in this movie, but he is the, he's the late, he's the late guy. He's like, I have, I haven't had these realizations. I've lived in my, my mode. Uh, but as he keeps, keeps that woman around or that girl around throughout the night, he's kind of protective of her, watching over her a little bit. Like, it's like, it's not, there's nothing there. It's just like cute, you know. Yeah, it's, it's just like, cute. It felt, it felt it very much. It felt much more brother sister than it. Oh did, yeah. Oh yeah. Did anything else? Hundred percent. Like the uh, whenever a water balloon was like thrown at him. Oh, yeah. and he got out and just they <laughs> trashed the car. That shit was awesome. Uh, and he la- he like laughed her laughed his ass off at her. She laughed too. It's a funny fucking thing. That was completely improvised. Um, the water balloon was supposed to hit the window and not her in the face. And when it hit her in the face, she just started laughing it off. And then, like, it just, they like, it just, they just rolled with it. Like, uh, that's why, like, this movie just felt real. Like, it just literally felt like a night in the 60s was caught in, on film. And well, I'm and just that, watching that, it happen. Like, more, moreover, like, I, I know that because of the setting, this is a night in the 60s. But it really does capture that teenage spirit. Mm. Like, I've had moments I remember having moments when I was when I was 17, 18 where where it felt like that. Someone throws a water balloon, we laugh our asses off, we get out and we fuck with each other about it. Like that's fun as fuck and obviously like those moments still happen, but there's something different about them in high school. There's there's a romanticism to it because it's high school, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah, I know I know like uh just it's hard to pinpoint like things that happen but it's just like certain mundane things are like elevated whenever you're just like a teenager or like in high school. Mm. Um, like after school's over, like playing catch in the parking lot feels like an elevated form of catch. You're not just playing in like your front yard. You're like in the high school parking lot. You're like, you know, with every, I don't know. Like, and you know what can be owed to that feeling? Hmm. Like what can be owed for that feeling, or given credit for that feeling, I guess is what I'm trying to say. High school coming of age movies. Yeah, because that's that's real. That really is what makes it elevated. We've watched it in movies and we think this looks cool. I'm gonna do this. Uh, that's true. I mean, like I don't know High School Musical, Troy. I don't know how how I looked up to that dude so much. Bro, it, I was like, like I I <laughs> idolized him and Chad Danforth, bro. They were my dudes. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Like now that you say it, like I didn't think I watched a lot of coming of age movies, but like I have. If you, if you watched a high a movie set in a high school, yeah, if it was done properly, it was a coming of age movie. Like because there's no other compelling story to tell at at the high school level, mm. or else it's like. Or else you get into the fucking like Riverdale and you. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, 
the amount of serious coming of age movies that I've seen, like an American graffiti, like uh, that number is very limited. I'd say I feel that, I feel um, that. but I'm definitely glad like I've expanded my horizons this much. Cause like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I would have watched this movie like three years ago. Well, I, like, I just want to uh, lay out for the people here the variety we've we've provided in these first four weeks, 70 through 73. Mm. We've got a anti-war comedy. We've got a dystopian future drama that is just practically. Uh, great movie, though. Mm. Great movie. Then we've got the father of the mafia movie. The Godfather. The movie. <laughs> movie. Like, if you think of Mafia, like, you're thinking of The Godfather. And we've got a high school coming of age movie. I just need, I just need y'all to put some respect on the variety we're providing here. This is a, a very well-rounded list. And, like, the movies, like, I don't know. I'm, ex- I'm super excited looking at this list. Like, some of these movies are so Only good. Better. And some it- years, like, we're gonna have to do two movies. Like, yeah, yeah. There are some years that are just like way too populated with very good movies. Yeah. Um, yeah but it's... this is it's a very exciting list, um, and I'm I'm definitely glad this is like this is the fourth movie. Like, uh, I and I'm like we've got forty eight to go. Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a very fun project, and I think by the end of this, I'm just going to be a better man. I feel. I feel like uh, um, I was. Uh, I'll talk more about this on our uh, little time bending here on our Eternals podcast uh, uh, for the people who are listening in January twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. They're gonna be like, "What the fuck, Eternal? Mm. Why are you doing that now? You did that <laughs> once." Uh, but like, I, I I've I've read some more film criticism and stuff because of that movie, and like just to see why. Mm. And I'll explain more and more on that mm-hmm. later. But I found that uh, we do a pretty good job of like f- of relative film critique. Like, I mean, we we have our own fun. We do we do our thing without taking it too seriously and stuff. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what I found in that movie specifically is I had a lot of the same critiques. It mm-hmm. just the critiques don't matter as much to me, which is interesting. Like, it's like I, I always, and this is the case with pretty much every movie, especially when it comes to star Wars and Marvel, I'm a take what I love about that movie. And it is going to occupy my mind. I don't give a fuck about what I don't like about the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then like, I'm gonna find my exactly. way to appreciate it. And this movie, American graffiti was one that I had no, no trouble uh, latching onto, uh, and it's it's it, this wasn't my first time watching it. I I have watched mm. this a, a few times throughout my life, actually. Uh, I only the last time I watched it last year did I know it was George Lucas directed and Francis Ford Coppola produced and all this shit. But I did watch this when I was like in middle school and then in high school and like mm. didn't realize what 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 I was watching pretty much. I see. That's because this is this is my first time, um, and I, I've I feel like like I will watch this movie again. Like uh, I came out of Mash, probably like this is probably a movie I'm fine never watching again. Like I'm okay. 
A Clockwork Orange, I'm going to watch again. Maybe. I mean, you obviously, I mean, like, see, that's the that thing. That one's like Clockwork a maybe, Orange actually. <laughs> the Godfather, I, it's like, obviously, you're going to watch that. Yeah, again. obviously, I'm going to watch that again. And then American Graffiti, like, it's a, it's a. It'll get revisited. Oh, yeah. This is going to be like a. Comfort. Oh, yeah. It's a comfort movie. It's, it's going to just be one that's like a. A sleeper pick, like whenever people are looking for a movie, like this is a sleep, a good sleeper pick. Um, yeah, you're right. You're for like right. any I mean, situation, like this is just a good movie. Well, and it is interesting because you ask the general population, has George Lucas done anything besides Star Wars? They'll probably tell you, probably, but I wouldn't fucking know it. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, like that's that's just how like and and this isn't like this isn't his only project before star wars he also uh there's a there's a little easter egg on john's yellow car uh his license plate number which is thx 138 george lucas's 1971 sci-fi film is thx 1138 uh and if you've ever watched the thx with the pop up at the beginning of a movie that's where it's from uh, yeah. But whoa, <laughs> the amount the amount of impact George Lucas had has on like the general film effects industry is fucking crazy. Yeah, this like, movie of like this movie alone, like it, not even saying that it goes on to build Star Wars. Like this movie alone impacted Hollywood immensely, and then Star Wars like changed the game like completely. Like, uh, so this, like, this movie, it impacted Hollywood. Like, there are so many movies that, like, have this movie to thank for. And then he comes out with Star Wars that, like, legitimately, like, blew minds, you know? like uh, And it is awesome to think about the, like, we've talked about how George Lucas ran in this circle with Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola and stuff. And you think about the movies they've done. Like... Ford Coppola did The Godfather. Those are intense movies. Spielberg, I mean, obviously he's had his fun. He's done his Indiana Joneses. But more, he he, he leans towards that little bit of a freaky vibe. Steven mm. Spielberg, more often than not, it feels oh, like yeah. for me. Uh, George Lucas was always about what these kids want. And how can I make that? compelling to all ages and it, it makes his it makes his genius somehow underrated like it's like he mm. we we acknowledge how much he did for star wars and stuff but like the fact that he did make like he goes on to make willow later on which is another just like fantastic bait like movie that children can watch but is not for children like he perfected that you know that's, what I'm saying? That's true. Like, Star Wars, Luke is just a coming-of-age story. Like, whenever you boil it down, like, him becoming a Jedi is just another way of coming saying coming-of-age. Um, like, now that you, like, put it like that, yeah. Like, he has perfected. Anybody can watch this movie. Like, anybody. Any age. I, I, I have a, I'm hard pressed to find another another creator who has that sort of catalog that's just like anybody can fucking watch this. Yeah, wow. Uh, that's a that a boy George. 
had a boy George. And, and like, that's what, that's, what's crazy is because like, obviously we give him so much credit. Every, everyone's like, you created star Wars. Obviously you did this shit. You won. <laughs> However, he did so much more. It's just incredible. And with that, I'd like to take it to, uh, to my high notes as, as is tradition here, uh, about, mm. about, about 30 minutes in here. We're, we're going to hit the high notes. And, uh, this one, this one's more in the mash lane, where like I, I was on it for the first half of the movie, and then I just kind of like <laughs> sunk into it, just yep. watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, and and a few of them are just quotes. I, like I, I came I came in early with like I love the crew so far, and then uh, I hit it up with a I followed it up with a, after Kurt sees the uh, sees the woman mm. in the Thunderbird, and it's like. Mm. Oh, my heart, my stars, my soul. Have you no romance, no soul? Turn around, go. Uh, oh, man. I, uh, that storyline, it confused me at first. But then, like, at near the end, like, I realized, like, it's – that girl is only there to serve, like, the purpose of you'll have these things that you'll leave at home that seem perfect, you know, like – this girl was everything he could have asked for, like, mm. and, like, literally said the first words to him were, I love you, you know? So, like, it's everything is going perfectly, but he has to, like, take this chance to go off and, and like, leave those things at home. Like, because... And that, that very fact is ultimately what makes Kurt, Kurt George Lucas. Mm. Yeah, like, he, he goes on the plane, he sees the car, and he's, you know, he's, he's like, it's okay. You know, like I'm good. And that last little scene where he's on the phone with her, where she she ends up calling in after he's given the the shit to Wolfman Jack, which that whole part of the movie fucking wild, oh amazing. Didn't even think about that. Literally, the radio and music like ties this whole movie together. Like Wolfman, like he he like, narrates it's, essentially. It's literally this movie is like what you're watching is filmed just straight out of the 60s and then what you're listening to is just a two-hour long radio um like literally if they just pulled two hours out of the radio from the 60s boom Mm. put it in the movie like is what it feels there was there was this part where i was like okay okay george Mm. with the music taste because uh they got a fats domino song in there they they threw in the the ain't that a shame Mm. This uh, like rain. I found I myself like, oh. snapping a lot during this movie. Um, oh, and like I was, yeah, scene, like they, <laughs> like they just brought the '60s to life so mm. well. I mean, like that sock hop scene. I I took a note on that. I think, uh, oh yeah, they going up at the sock hop. <laughs> uh, and then I and then my next note is they just ripping cigs in the bathroom. <laughs> it's a high school cherry bomb too. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know that's um. Like what what did they do there? They threw like a firework in the toilets, and then it just like the pipe started. Like, do you you remember? Yeah, I like, know the uh, part of the movie you're talking about. What However, um, I have no idea how you accomplish what they. That, did. I was so confused because they like it seemed like they dropped something in one toilet, and it made all of them just shoot. Wa- I don't know. And it, sorry, that was complete sidetrack. No, I'm I'm, but, I'm, uh, I'm gonna guess <laughs> that that was probably something that was just kind of like. To get We're them because this would be fun. It's high school shenanigans and stuff. <laughs> like no explanation. Uh, that there was another note I took. This is one of the ones uh, that I was like, "Ooh, this is pushing the line with John and his friend here." 
uh, mm. whenever the car pulls up and he grabs her head and shoves her down. And then she's like, is this what they call copying a feel? <laughs> yeah. But, see, like, that's the thing. It was a funny line. Like, but like, and because John is like, oh no, like he immediately throws her off. Like, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, could have, could have taken a bad turn there. Had oh you yeah. Been, like, <laughs> it was, uh, there, like, I don't know. John was just, uh, like his car for one is sick. Like it was, uh, the cars just in the entire movie are just sick. Um, and like, I don't know. I was just always so, uh, like excited whenever John came back on screen, like seeing, like I, I was like really just their storyline was kind of like the most, uh, I don't know why, like interesting. Like I, like I can't place it. Like, I think it was kind of the, uh, I think it's the edge to John. Like, it's like more than any other character, you want to see him do okay. Like, you yeah. want to see him end up being good. Mm. Like, you know, Kurt's going to be fine. Like, maybe that's it. Yeah. Know, that, you know, that Terry's mm. going to, he's going to pull through. It's going to be, it's going to be chill. But by the end of the movie, you're want, you're wanting John to make the right choices to, to beat Bob's ass in this race. Uh, like, you, like you're invested in his storyline more than any other for me. And, um, uh, and when Bob showed up, I was like, that's Han Solo. Must've been your mama's car or what? Like the, yeah. right. He, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, he was in it for, you know, not too much, but I, what, what it was fascinating just... though, is he represented like this, like, I think of it like a video game and he was like the boss level. Like he was the one, he was the final battle you had to face. Yes. Oh, that's such a good way to put it. Oh my God. Haven't you heard? I've been looking for you. Come on, man. You, you could just race me already. Yeah. And, and then, like, I cannot believe this motherfucker never left his driver's driver's seat. Like this man never stops driving. No Not one stops up, driving. Bro. Not even to fuel up. He's like, they're doing Aaron, they're doing the Aaron Paul need for speed. Shit, where they're pulling up alongside and filling that shit up as he's going because uh, he's not stopping for shit. Nah, yeah, it, it was. Uh, I liked to. I liked his character that he played. Uh, it was. It was pretty. It was just fun seeing Harrison Ford in there as well. Um, like I, I wasn't really invested like in his character, like the others, obviously, you know. Because oh yeah, no, but but you but, always like, wanted him to pop back up because it's fucking Han Solo. Yeah, come on, man. man. And it is. It is crazy that like. His career doesn't launch until Star Wars. Like, yeah, he was uh, just a carpenter at the time, like during this movie. Yeah, and George this just, just a, this forced him to come on. A tiny, tiny role that he needed. Like, he, it, this wasn't something he did as a favor for somebody. This was like, I need work. Mm. So I'll be an American graffiti. Uh, I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, how do you feel? Uh. Oh wait, I do want to make one more note about uh, Harrison Ford though. When he sang mm. in the car, I was like, "That's my fucking guy. I love this man. I love this man." Uh, he is but, just okay. a cool dude. Oh, he's just cool. But my question about the Pharaohs, the street gang, thoughts? <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah, it was a a weird part of the movie. I don't just uh. It was strange. Um, I don't know. I took it. I took it as like 
obviously it's 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 pretty central to Kurt's storyline. Like yeah. it, it is something that ultimately affects his viewpoint. I like it. This was kind of the only part that kind of took me like out of the movie for some out reason. of it a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. uh, it was just like weird. It just didn't seem right. Like um, it didn't follow. Like I didn't I didn't exactly get why Kurt. Like I I, I take it that Kurt. It's the last night in town. He's looking to have some fun. And he's like, you know what? I need to do shit I've never tried before because that's mm. what I'm about to go do. Yeah. Like that's what my whole life is about to be. And I got to make sure that I can wade into those waters confidently. And, you know, he, he holds his own here. And I mean, not difficult to hold your own because these dudes are fucking pussies. I don't get how these are the guys who are like the G's of the town. Because <laughs> let me tell you. They're they're riding around in this car, right? Okay, okay, we're getting low. We're getting low on gas. Anybody got money? No, nobody's got money. Nobody's got money and this car doesn't have gas? And y'all some G's? Fuck out of here. I don't want to hear it. And That's then the true. fact and yeah, then the wow. fact that the G shit that they pull off mm. is Kurt distracting an arcade owner while they rob some fucking games for coins. And I That's was like, true. I was yeah. like, Fuck yeah, well, I, I kind of even, I forgot about that scene. The, them robbing the arcade. Um, yeah, well, it, it was, uh, it, it was interesting, like, just having Kurt, like, I guess it was interesting seeing him, like, go down a route like that, though. Like, uh, it wasn't all, like, cause he always was an outsider, like, of the group, kind of, and, like, he never really fit in. Um, and like it, it, it does, it does make more sense now, you know, thinking about it, that he would try something like this, you know, like, uh, just for the thrill and like, you know, you can tell there's several moments where you can tell he's thoroughly enjoying himself. Like he knows what, like, he knows that some of the aspects of what's happening, he's like, it's morally ambiguous. We're robbing an arcade game for coins, bro. Like it can't be that bad. Like, so, so whenever they're like, Hey, you're a hell of a guy. Hey, you're a good, you're going to make one hell of a Pharaoh one day. And he's like, he, 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 he's like getting punched around in the middle, all smiley and stuff. I was like, this, this is like, like, I wish I would have had this much fun on my last night in blue Springs with a local street gang. You know what I'm saying? And I wish that a dollar could get you a bottle of alcohol, a dollar. He, literally. Oh. Terry was hand- every time someone went in for a bottle of alcohol, he handed them a singular dollar. That's more than you know that. Like, I'd imagine it's either a dollar or less. You know, like obviously yeah. he's handing them the money. Like, getting changed, yeah. Like, uh, that's insane. Like the value of a, like whenever I every every time I watch like an old movie and I just hear the value of money. You know, like a yeah, um, a dollar can get you two. Two bottles of comb, some pens, uh, you know, like whatever he ended up getting, like, and it was a dollar thirty-two, or you know, something like that. Like it was just just like a bunch of shit, random shit. That (laughs) one of those things would have been a dollar thirty-two now. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's just absurd. (laughs) But yeah, Terry. I guess we haven't really talked about Terry a whole lot. I mean, it's literally just like uh, super bad. Like, oh yeah, like this movie. I mean, this movie's kind of like. basically super bad that's just not as funny and way more serious like uh that and that was one of my that's the best example you could one of the best examples you could have pulled because (laughs) i'd be willing to guarantee that judd apatow the guy who made super bad liked this moody movie because 
I mean, Spirit of Terry is Evan, Michael Sarah from Superbad. Like, they're the same character. Yeah. Like, now that, yeah, this is basically Superbad. I mean, Superbad is basically American graffiti comedized, yeah, like, uh, made funny. Yeah. Well, I guess, um, I guess that was written, I guess Superbad was written by Seth Rogen, which is <laughs> a whole other animal, but Judd Apatow did produce, uh, but yeah, man, it's just a, what an influential movie. And and see, we could be projecting onto it, you know, like, uh, we, we can only, we can only, we only have so much to work with, you know? True. Uh, this uh, what, being, uh, what awards did this movie win? Did it win any I don't know awards? that this went up for any awards here. Let me, uh, let me get into that real quick. IMDB. Let's check That's her out. That's the place to go. So, award-wise, this got... This was a no- this was an Oscar nominee for Best Picture. Wow. Uh Oscar nominee for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Candy Clark, who uh played Debbie. Dang, this movie made him a hundred and fifteen million dollars. And it uh, only I mean, this cost movie was, this, this movie was nominated for five Oscars. Dang. Yeah. That's insane. It cost him less than a million dollars to make. Made him 115 of them. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's, uh, that'll make you make Star Wars right there. <laughs> that'll give you the assets yeah. to make Star Wars, I guess. Um, but wow, yeah, this, uh, huh. I, I mean, I, I love this movie. I loved it way more, like, uh, after the first 30 minutes, whenever I was in. And uh, finally got into the movie and, like, really felt like I was in the 60s with these, you know, characters. Um, yeah, this was just a nice, relaxing, entertaining movie. Like, Oh, it really is. And it is interesting that you say that about the first 30 minutes because, I like, I am with you. Uh, there's, there's a lack of focus for a little bit. Uh, at least a lack of focus in terms of your – or my – uh, inability to grasp all the storylines and how they were interconnected and stuff. Like for a while, you're unaware that this is what the movie is going to do and mm. it'll come together. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love that Steve gives Terry the car and is like, watch over this for me. Uh, take care of it. And Terry's like, Hey, I'm some real shit. Hey, Buddha. What's up, baby? How you doing? You want to hop in this ride? You want to go see a drive through movie, drive in movie immediately. Yeah. That dude was, he was on it. He was, uh, he was like, this is what I was missing. <laughs> I have a car now. Like, I mean, that, that, like, in those times, though, like, cars were, like, that's true. I guess, yeah, like, having a car, that really did change the game. Like, well, and I think that's, I think that's ultimately, like, one of the, the main themes you can, like, take from this movie is that these, this is their last night at home. Their cars are their mode of transportation. They're taking them everywhere. This is their freedom. Mm-hmm. This is them learning their freedom uh, throughout this movie, like learning how to deal with that and knowing what you're going to do going forward. And I think the cars are just incredibly important to this film. Otherwise, like you don't really have a movie. Like <laughs> that's just like if you take out every car scene. You're left with 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, Maybe. like, 
I, I, I don't know, actually, like, now that I think about it, there was a, you know, a dance where everyone was inside. There's the diner scenes, which yeah. were really cool because the diner is really 60s as fuck. That, that was one of my notes is uh, I wish there were still diners like that. Like, I wish, like, Ooh. there were still places like that. Like, that's just such a cool, like, the closest thing I can get is Mugs Up. Mugs Up Root Beer. Um, I don't know if you know about it. It's an independence. It's gas. The root beer, gas. Their burgers, gas. It does it like, and it's old school. It like, sick. Yeah, when I lived down in Columbia, there was a there was a diner that I really really loved going to. Like I like I was only down there for a semester, but during that semester I was a regular at this diner because it was open twenty four hours. We'd go in the middle of the night all the fucking time, uh, and it was itty bitty. Couldn't have been like it's as big as the room I'm in right now. Mm. Like it's mm-hmm. not big. Like plenty of seating. Like it. Like if you if you were in there when it was full, you were you were crammed. Like you were <laughs> crammed in there. But that was part of the atmosphere, and that was yeah. part of what made it fun. And it it had bar stools and a little like a, a town little, topic uh, tabletop, and like the 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 bar stool the mm. bar stools turned and shit like they they wiggled around and mm-hmm. the were awesome like i was like i loved hanging out there this and is this, it this is it <laughs> give me this a cup it. of coffee let me just stare out the window oh. at the rain hitting the street mm. like yeah that like, that was the shit bro mm. yeah that that would be that's nice um, like, i remember i went there like i was down there in 2018 so i went down there for election i was i was there for the first time i voted mm-hmm. in november 2018 and after I went and voted, I pulled up to pulled up to the diner, posted up for a while. It was like seven fifty five AM. I got up bright and early to do it. Uh I got there. It was just a bunch of old people who had who had just voted and me. Mm. And uh Yep, that's how that's how that's how every young person voting feels. Wow, I'm really like with a bunch of old people right now. Like no one my age votes. Like is is every time that I voted, it's like wow, like we really got to get like uh, our people in on it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's, uh, side note on voting: um, the only time I voted, which I mean, well, the only presidential election I voted, uh, I wrote in my name, stuck it to them. I wasn't going to let either of them win. I mean, I actually, I, I actually, legitimately, like for the rest of the ballot, the actual no, like important part of the ballot. Um, I did legitimately, but I wrote in my name. I thought that was just funny. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll forever fucking regret <laughs> that I even voted. Mm. Yeah, because like you took part. Like it's like, uh, man, even if I took part, wow. I it the presidential vote just kind of doesn't matter anymore to me. Like uh, I'm just like whoever whoever's up there, cool. Like uh, could be Dwayne the Rock Johnson next time for all you yeah. know. Literally, it, it might I actually like, be. <laughs> I was like. You're fucking with me. The mm. first time I can vote for the presidential office and these two are my fucking <laughs> options. Yeah, like in this movie, you have his greatest aspiration in life is to shake hands with John F. Kennedy. No one's saying that about our presidents today. You know? Who wants to shake their – yeah, like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> just take me back to uh, – like, I wish we could go back to that time without all the social problems that come along with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel you like, and that, that is so inherently what's like flawed about this certain ideology on the, on the right. I'd argue where it's like, 
far right, not not just the right, the far right, where it's like trying to get back to this old America where it was a uh, it was peaceful and there there were uh, people people were comfortable and happy. Uh, Who was what comfortable? the fuck else was going on? Who uh, was happy the- and specific? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, <laughs> it's gotten it's gotten better to a to a fair degree, but like not entirely mm-hmm. at all. But uh, it it is interesting uh, seeing this movie. You know, like uh, I mean, it is nineteen seventy three. We in a small town in California. You telling me only white people in this town is this town in California? Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. This is nineteen seventy three. This is like a. I, I was kind of thinking like, so this is basically like. Take 10 years from present day. That's what the movie is. Like, that's what the movie would be like watching it in 73. So, like, basically we have a late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, uh, you know, like, I wonder, like, what a coming of it, like, it It kind of seems a little weird. Like, uh, like if we did the exact same thing. It's basically just super bad. Years back. <laughs> It basically is just super bad. Holy shit! Literally, yeah. It's, uh, sorry for the bump. No, um, yeah, I'm not even gonna tap with you. <laughs> that is exactly what a coming of age movie looks like in 2010. Yeah, I guess. Uh, hmm. Super bad. Wow. How? Because they both kind of come to the same conclusions at the end about going to school and being comfortable doing that. and like Literal kids trying to get booze to impress girls, um, you know, not being able to. That's a literal storyline in here. And it's – yeah, I mean I, I could see uh, – I could see Seth Rogen and, and the super bad like team taking heavy inspiration from this film. Like, uh, hmm. You remember that uh, – you remember the episode of Rick and Morty in season five? Where uh, Rick gives uh, Summer and Morty the spaceship mm. the, to impress the new douchebag guy that they're around. Mm. And they take it to like a Simi Valley in space and it's like a bunch of Transformers saying, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, that very premise where they, they give the car, they give the, the ship to Morty and Summer to impress somebody and directly influenced by American graffiti. And nothing is more uh, indicative of that than the title of the episode of Rick and Morty, a Morty can Grick feedy. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've gotten, we've gotten something in 2021 as recently as 2021 directly honoring American graffiti. Dang. That's, that's pretty awesome to know yeah. that, a film that long ago, still going hard. Like, a film that's not really, like, a, I, I think it's known, but, like, not very. Not, yeah, it's, it's. I'd say it's... Among, like, our age group, it's not well-known oh, at all. Oh, no, no, I don't... I, yeah, I, like, uh, it's very not well-known. Get up but... any group chat we're in and say, have you heard of American Graffiti? And all of them will go, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... That's just a guarantee. Just because, like, it, it isn't a... It isn't a Jaws. It isn't a Godfather. It isn't Star Wars. It's American Graffiti. You know what I'm saying? And I remember the first time I heard that George Lucas made American Graffiti, and I was like, boy, oh boy, that name is fucking badass. Wait, 
I've seen that fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> huh. But yeah. It, George, I would have, uh, I don't know. I would have never thought that this would be a movie he would make, you know, like only knowing him for Star Wars, basically, like seeing this, this movie, like, yeah, and it was, uh, all. it was fantastic. Um, uh, oh, absolutely. And I think that, uh, I think that there's a lot of just great, great moments, and a lot of great characters. And I mean, Kurt's an absolute simp, but for the right reasons, it's cute. Um, I like Wolfman. I like Wolfman Jack. I like that when uh, Kurt goes and talks to him. Uh, and this is something that is... Uh, this scene, I feel like, has influenced a lot of stuff, too. Where it's like this mystical, older celebrity figure who's not really known to anybody. Like, they're kind of mythic legend. Mm. And then you come face-to-face with them, and you have this, like, coming-of-age moment. Where, like, you're like, okay... I can do this. He'd tell me to kick it up. He'd tell me to get in gear and do my shit, you know? And then he sees him go and talk on the microphone. I think of a a movie from 2016 called XOXO where the runner of this rave festival uh, speaks to the protagonist for a little bit. And it's like a, like a, have you heard of this guy? Mm. Yeah, I've heard of him. You know, (laughs) you know, that that sort of thing. Uh. Uh, but just that sort of uh, the mysticism that surrounded Wolfman Jack and therefore the idealism that Kurt projected onto him and stuff. I, I loved that. I loved that whole element of the story. It was and, just uh, a really cool part of the movie. Like having like, I don't know, like he was like narrating the movie, like controlling the music, like, you know, like it was just, uh, I put it on like uh, the mash in credits that was like unique you know this was like just the unique part of this movie um okay yeah was like this like i don't know it was just really cool it was kind of like the guy on the intercom like in mash was like basically the narrator too oh that's Um, that's that's so i guess like a really good parallel uh the little bit of the the radio in the background kind of I mean, not not like Wolfman Jack had more of a yeah. presence in this movie than that guy, but he did he did pop up a couple times and say something relevant. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this was a, yeah, I don't know. Right. I I just thought it was really cool. Like, uh, and I like the part that I will always take away from this movie is like that it is literally just the '60s captured in camera, and we're watching it. Like, if aliens came down to Earth and they were like, "Hey." What were the '60s like? I just want to know. Oh, okay. Watch this movie. Pretty good. Pretty good uh, example of like you know what the '60s were. The like. The aesthetics of the '60s, anyway. Yeah, sure. yeah. Like the uh, yeah. Um, uh, like it just felt like I don't know. It, never once did I feel I was out of the '60s. It was like I'm just I'm in. They it. kept you there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like credit to their set building too, because obviously. It is 1972, and I mean, it is freshly off the 60s. Like, there's probably still a rel- there's there's definitely still a relatively similar aesthetic, but it has evolved by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the whole, so to have all these 60s cars and these 60s sock ops and this these diners and this stop and shop and shit like that, like the dress, like the clothes were so like the uh, John's uh, cigarette, you know, in his oh, sleeve yeah. that like yeah. just like I don't know, people don't like I don't know. Clothes, it's not like, uh, I'd say cooler because there's definitely like a lot of nerd, like flannel short sleeve that's like, 
I'm glad that went out of style. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Jim. No, there's stuff from every era that you can go. It's a shame that went away. Mm. Uh, and one like uh, my hottest take in this regard is that uh, I love '80s big hair. Hmm. A lot of people really don't like '80s big hair. Like that's like a terrible era for hair on the whole. Uh, but man, there was a woman with just a big, beautiful, curly head of hair. Holy shit! Interesting. I uh, I'm I just typed in '80s hair, and big is the word that I would. Big uh, is the word. Big. Uh, whenever you ask people about like the '60s and '50s, usually people say like. Like a, it's like a meh era that no one really like cares or talks about. You know, like you only hear about like seventies hippies. You know, that's the seventies. The eighties was like rock and cool mute. Like music was just oh, like music was yeah. awesome. You know, and like, but the fifties and sixties, like you're just like, whenever I hear that, I'm like, okay, classic car. And well, diner, like that, those are the only two things I can really pull. Like I don't know. Well, it's, it's it's really fascinating because I think there's there's a reason for that. It like fifties and sixties really laid the laid the groundwork for like beatnik culture and then uh, and then ultimately counterculture. Like mm. without, uh, I mean Elvis Elvis Presley bit so much from black people. Like that's just like he made it he made it palatable for a white audience and sold it, but the the counterculture he he kind of created in the rock scene and then the rock scene as a whole in the in the late 60s like it lays the groundwork for why the 70s were the way they were why we were so anti-war in the 70s and or why there was such an anti-war counterculture movement like hmm. this is an important time in history that it's like the first time the youth is coming to their own and thinking for themselves well, I, I'm felt like... glad we started our movie project. I'm glad it just worked out to be 1970 that, you know, we're uh, like we're yeah. starting and like we're starting in the 70s, like at this like time where. Just it's changing. Yeah, a massive like, it, change. It, it, it really is like the. I mean, shit, man, the civil rights movement was the heart of the 60s. True. I mean, 54, like, I think it started at 54 all the way through, like, I want to say 69, like, at the very, like, at the very least, it's still uh, arguably still ongoing. But I mean, like, yeah, definitely, it's a fun time to live, depending on who you are. Like, it's either yeah. a really fun time or not a fun time at all. Yeah, like, up there with the worst. Yeah, like, it's, it it is just a really interesting time. And I think, uh. Obviously, if you're getting dra a drama version of this movie, it looks a lot different. Mm. Uh, you're, you're, we're not doing we're doing the light, lighthearted coming of age high school story here. Uh, whereas it could it could have been a little bit more uh, ghastly if it was if it was a PG thirteen or R. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, interesting just to think that like a country can be seen as doing so great, like. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, it was a comfortable era. You know, everyone was great. It's the good old yeah, days. the good old days. But then you look at the other half of the country, and it's like in literal disarray. Like, and people are like, "Yeah, let's let's go back to the good old days." Like, what do you really mean? You know, like, 
that, that, that just yeah. Well, well. I think I feel like The Sopranos relevant in this discussion too with Tony Soprano in that very first episode. Mm. When he's sitting in Melfi's office, he goes, what happened to the strong, silent type? You know, Gary Cooper. I feel like I came in on the back half of this thing. It's all downhill from here. Like, I, he, he knows that, like, and obviously this is a dude who is a bigot and a racist <laughs> on several occasions. Uh, yep. What do you think he means by I? What happened to the good old days? It seems like everyone's in a decline. Like, there's a reason. And I mean... I guess, like, uh, I would say on the whole, uh, we're about as divided as ever. True. But, like, the good old days, in my opinion, is, like, uh, just bring me back to 2016. Like, uh, I'd say 20, like, summer 2016. 2016 and then pre-COVID. That era... Well, and there's a reason that era is sweet to Damn us. Damn it. <laughs> it, we all it all makes sense. It all makes sense. We were coming of age. We were mm-hmm. in high school. Yeah. Like it's a it's the like it, it truly is. Like I remember when I was younger, my parents would be like, Cherish your time in high school because there will be a time in your life where you wish for the life of you you could go back. And I always took that to heart. So when it was when it was senior year and we're writing like I'm on the newspaper and I'm writing columns and stuff. If you go back and read the columns I wrote, they're really, really positive about high school and my experience and the like the reminiscing on the memories and the friends I made and stuff. And I stand by that while a lot of the people you talk to who are about to graduate high school. I can't fucking wait to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I am so excited to leave. And it's like I get what you're saying. I do. Being a grown-up, it seems, seems, seems fun. Uh, it's not. Uh, just, I, I think to, I'm bouncing all over the area <laughs> here, but uh, Billy Madison, whenever Adam Sandler grabs the kid's face, he's like, don't go. Mm. Stay here. And he shakes his face, and he's like, promise you'll never leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is a great, like, I was, like, in between. I'm, like, excited to finally live on my own and just not have parents, you know, like, telling me what to do. Yeah. That's only, half, like, half of me because, like, the other half is, like, I feel safe here. Like, um, there you, go. you know, like, yeah. I'm at my home. That's my bed. Like, whenever I go and sleep over somewhere, like – at, an, at another person's house, like, I always am like, oh, I can't wait to get back in my bed. You know, like, yeah. that's, you know, like, you know, it's just, uh, it's basically you're taking all your safety away, like, whenever you're going off to college. And, uh, absolutely. And that's, that's what this movie's grappling with is that, is that accepting, accepting your independence less so than finding it. Like, it's like, because there is that dissonance, regardless of who you are, g- leaving high school, going to college. You're going to have the, fuck, I can't wait. This is going to be the time of my life. This is going to be fun as hell. Uh, I'm going to be on my own. This is going to be, I'm going to be on my own for the first time ever. This is going to be great. And it's also like, I'm going to be on my own for mm-hmm. the first time. It's a very interesting thing to tell people that, like... College will be the best years of your life. Like, uh, 
you should just never say that to a person. Like, for any situation. Like, uh, you should never tell anyone that this time period will be the best of your life. Because it can only go down from there. Literally. Only go down from there. You're, you're setting them, like, my college year, like, I'm expecting, I'm going into my prime. This is going to be lit. Boom. Hospitalization. Like, two, like, you know, like, that and that's completely besides the point. Like that that's just no, out of no, my control. I'm but think, like I'm thinking over here, yeah, like, like I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> college, baby. I yeah. get down there and I'm like, I sit in my bed for five days out of the week. I'm horribly depressed. Have I seen outside this week? I don't know. Uh like that was how it was when I was down there. Mm-hmm. And like ultimately made me realize, like, oh fuck, I ain't have that good a time. Like Dang, I, I had love two my tests. I love in one day and that literally means that i can't socialize or function as a human being for the next week like (laughs) i don't know like uh college and university it used to be like the smartest or just most well-rounded people of your town you would send them to like you you it's like an honor to go to a university like this is where you get smarter this is where like you will be you know in a an integral person to society like that's what it was like seen as like oh my god he's going off to college and this movie is uh, it perfectly depicts that it's like when kurt and steve are ready to leave and they're like you don't want to end up like john man and john's like two years older than them or something (laughs) like that like you don't want to end up like john man and and i just the whole the whole thing where like they're ready to leave because they they know that means they've done it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I want to talk about the ending of this movie because mm. it kind of it like it completely turns the tone of the movie for me on its head. Whenever they're like, uh, Kurt went on to become successful and do this. Oh, you mean uh, like whenever they're like the text like popped the up? Moment, the, the moment the movie ends and they pop okay, up, okay. where are they now? And it was like, oh, Kurt's gone on to do this. Steve never left uh, Never left Modesto and is an insurance agent now. Uh, Terry's missing in action at war. John is dead. <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck? The first two was John's dead. Terry's missing in action. I was like, whoa! I don't even remember Terry coming to the conclusion that he was going to the fucking military. I know. I was like, missing an action? Did he just go missing his hometown? I'm like, I think think they were really trying to show you the options. Mm. You go on and make something for yourself. You stay home and be comfortable doing your thing. For this time, specifically, you go join the military or you die. That is true. The four boys are just the four options you had. You die. I mean, like, you if, go you to the... to, wow. if you want to break it down, if you want to break it down, they're the four options all you of have us now. Have yeah, you have right now, actually. <laughs> Dang. I just, I didn't even think, like, I was just thinking, like, oh, yeah, what? Because it's just the characters. It's not like, uh, was this based on a true 
wait. It made it feel like it was based on a true story, and it was like, wait. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. They were really, they were really just like I, – I didn't even realize it until I said it a couple seconds ago. They were really just presenting you the options. This whole movie was yeah, about them. Because it's not like they're telling a true story that these boys eventually came to be. Like they had to write that those things that are happening to them. Yeah. Like it wasn't that they pulled it from any source material. No, they just – Yeah. Well, and like I mean the source material was probably George sure, Lucas's yeah. life. Like – like his his childhood hometown in Modesto. Like, I mean, I don't know that he knew a. I wonder who... if he had a friend group of five people or four people, and like one of them died, one of them went happened. to war, and one of them was like an insurance agent. Like, uh, and then he was. I view Steve as a uh, like. I think Steve and Kurt are like the integral two halves of his of his persona where it's like the happy go lucky kid who's a romantic and is excited to do all these things and he's like I don't know I'm a little I'm a little reserved I don't know maybe I won't go uh, then you got the other one who's brash cocky he's ready for anything he's like he's he's a little bit of an asshole he's a little bit of a dick uh like and ultimately you know he ends up staying and that guy ends up becoming an insurance agent. And I think that's kind of like those were George Lucas's two options. Like, mm-hmm. like those were, it was either I got out of here. Oh, I guess all four of them were technically his options, but I, I view those two as more specifically as options is like, he was either going to get out of there and make a name for himself, or he was going to stick around in town and do nothing or not do nothing, but be an insurance agent. There's plenty of fulfillment in the insurance game. Okay. <laughs> you can have a family. Yeah, it's uh, I've been like looking at jobs a little differently. Like uh, like I'm looking at my kind of degree differently too. Like I'm going in for engineering, but I was going in for it like for the wrong reasons before. I was going into it because um, I'm good at math and engineering pays well is what like I was going in for it for. But now I'm going in for it for like uh, I want to use my engineering degree to help the earth in some yeah. way shape or form um just in any any green project is what i want to work in like yeah that's like i have a drive you know it's like it's 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 way different whenever you have an actual like drive behind doing something instead of just oh this is just a, a, the next step in order for me to make money you know well, like uh, there's this is a thing that almost every college student runs into like I have a friend who uh I won't I won't mention by name but he was he was like set on biochem mm. I'm a be bio uh, I'm a do biochem it's the hardest degree at that school which is dope I'm gonna get that and then it can only pay well from there and I was like yeah but do you care though like do you Give a shit about what you're doing because, like, that's ultimately what matters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately, like, as you can see with this movie and what becomes George Lucas's life, I'd say he did what he wanted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, getting into something because I'm going to make money or because I'm prideful and want to prove to myself. I mean, like, that can be a good motivator. I'm prideful and believe I can do this. You also got to take the step back and ask if you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's ultimately those the, and things. That's the question, that's the question yeah. all these characters ask themselves. 
especially Kurt and Steve. What do do I want to go to school? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go. My girlfriend was just in a car accident with some guy named John. No, I'm going to stay and become an insurance agent. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting. That like ultimately the the player on his his decision was the fact that his girlfriend got in a car accident. Hmm. Uh, I think it was supposed to be more like a uh, he was looking for a reason a little bit like mm. yeah. So that came about and he was like, okay, I'm gonna stay. Bet yeah. I mean, uh, he was basically searching. You know, like whenever he was talking with Kurt, um, and he was uh. And Kurt was like, wait, I've heard these words before. Like, uh, what do you, you know, you were the one who told me that I should, that I should go out and live my life. You know, like he, yeah, yeah. made that complete 180. Like he was, he was looking for something like that. That was his thought the whole time. Like he probably never wanted to leave actually. Oh no. And I can, I can tell you from my experience, uh, like I, I ended up going to Mizzou, uh, in the August of 2018, uh, but I didn't apply to Mizzou until like March. Mm. Like I, I put that off. I I was, and I don't know why. It was always subconscious and obviously reflecting. I can I can kind of be like, oh, well, that was obvious. I didn't want to go. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like I felt that, and that that, that was like a, both. Both Kurt and Steve, I was like, I feel where both of these dudes are coming from at like essentially all times, except for when Steve's getting coercy with sex, and it's like, okay, buddy, back the fuck off. You just want to okay. fuck around. Come on, just if you can't admit that to your girlfriend and you're trying to hide it by saying to find true love, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just he's a uh... he has trouble admitting things to himself. Yeah, he was he was a doofy motherfucker. I'll say that. Uh, but shit, man. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a ton else to say about this movie. Uh, it, I found it incredibly relatable, and I think it's important that we're a couple years re- removed from high school, mm-hmm. which kind of helps. We get this nice reflective glimpse of this movie, the '60s, our high school experience, and tying that all together. It is really it is really really fun. Uh, but yeah, you got anything else? Uh, we got We got to do our rating. That's true. Let's. Uh, ooh, okay. I haven't even thought about like what I'm gonna gonna rate this. But as I, as I a film, it. as a film, as a just a overall film, what am I feeling? I'm gravitating towards four ish, around a four. Um, I don't know if I. Like it's below a four point five, above a three point five. I feel that, so I feel like you're you're like that, that's like right where I'm at. Like, uh, because I mean, I'm reflecting on like our other scores a little bit, trying to figure out like where do I? So like as a film, I think we ended we ended with like a Clockwork Orange at like a four. Four point two five is the average between our score. I the. The scores I'm keeping are the average between our scores. Okay, I dig that. Okay, cool. Uh, so, all right. other than all right. other than this genre category, um, I added. I just added this one. Um, you did as a film, and then how much you enjoyed it as a genre. I think could be interesting. Um, 
because like I think a Clockwork Orange like fit its genre so well, and that's the five it deserved. Like if that like, movie and deserved, that's where I'd put that's where I'd throw a five on this movie. Okay, uh, is is in terms of a coming of age story, this is a five the gold out of five. standard of coming yeah. of age. This is the yes, I, I totally agree. Um, I think yeah, that's the easiest one to to put down. Um, yeah, and in terms of my enjoyment, I mean, I'm 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 hovering at about the exact same that I would rate this movie as a film overall. You know, it's I'd say that that's a that's a. 3.75 yes. to 4 out of 5. Yes. You know, like, like that's... And I don't, like... it's Because I'm not trying to put it on a clockwork orange level. That's just not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, I think 3.75 is fair. Because, yeah. like, it's not a movie that you're supposed to, like, have these grand store, you know, grand review. It's It's literally just a movie that you're supposed to just chill and watch and absorb. Like... As, I don't know. That's all it is. Like, uh... yeah. And I want to make it clear to the people. Uh, for most of our like ratings, at least for me, uh, I go on a movie like this, and not like the Clockwork Orange. Like with the Clockwork Orange, I was a little more critical about it. The, uh, you know, like how I appreciated the the story itself and the the visuals and uh, the intricacies of the plot development and stuff like I wasn't as concerned with that here mm. It's a different kind of movie altogether. Uh, and therefore I can't put it on that level. So it has to come down. It has to come down a notch. Like it's like, it has to come down just a little bit because I still really didn't, I still really enjoyed it. Uh, so more than anything, it's just like the vibe. Mm -hmm. What's this feel like to you? Is this a four out of five? Is that like a little too high? Probably. So I'm a, I'm gonna knock it down just a couple notches because I know it's not a three, and I feel like a it's better than Mash, which I think was like a so uh, that might have been a two point five. Mash, yeah, we put two point five as a film. We enjoyed it around a two point five two, um, and for the genre, I put it was a three out of five for comedy. Like, cause at yeah. the time it was probably a lot funnier. Like I like that yeah. one's kind of hard to. Uh, to kind of set. to judge, so I, I gave it a three out of five. I I, I mean, I could be a two point five across the board movie, honestly, in my opinion. But uh, I feel that I feel that. So I'm a I'm a I'm a lock in. I'm a lock this in as a film. It's a three point seven five out of five stars. Uh, I feel strongly about it. I enjoy this movie thoroughly. So like in that in that the enjoyment aspect, it's probably more a four out of five. And then you know with the uh. As a, as a coming-of-age story, it's pretty much perfect. So it's like, that's a 5 out of 5 right there. You got working our way up incrementally there. 3.75 to 4 and then to 5, boom. And a complete perfect. average of 4.25. Um, that's that's our uh, second high. Clockwork Orange is a complete average of 4.42. So it's like mm. just a little bit below a Clockwork Orange. Um fitting i'd say yeah and the folks will uh if you're if you're following along with us notice that there's a, a distinct absence of a rating for the godfather mm. uh can't explain it I, I don't know why curious weird curious strange uh if you want to know what our rating was for the godfather head over to the last episode and we'll tell you of course uh but uh 
Yeah. Shit, man. I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one that I'll definitely be giving another watch and, you know, love George Lucas. So if I can support my boy anyway, Glad I this know is added to my, my repertoire of movies. Um, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, yeah, man. Anything else? I, I think that's good. I think that's it. I think we got it. Yeah. I think we did too. Longest episode yet. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, uh, given the content, which is just, uh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, this was the Penny Bloom podcast. I was Colton Robertson and I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, buddy. It's always a pleasure. Can't wait to be back. Can't wait for you to be back on this journey throughout 52 years of film. We've gone 1970, 71, 72, and now 73 with American Graffiti. And next week will be 1974. And we'll be covering the sequel to last week's movie, The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. Uh, very excited about that one, uh, and can't wait to can't wait to dive into what many consider the best of the trilogy. Uh, so mm-hmm. it'll, it'll it'll be a fun it'll be a fun conversation. But uh, if you're a, if you're here and you're a Star Wars fan, which if you're into a podcast about a movie by George Lucas, you probably are. Uh, we're covering the Book of Boba, Book of Boba Fett currently. Uh, go check those episodes out. Head to patreon.com slash Bloom where you'll find over 20 hours of exclusive content. Uh, so much shit over there. Just so much shit. Uh, and it's never been seen anywhere else or heard anywhere else. Uh, go to Twitter and follow at PennyBloomPod for any updates on our uh, on what movies we'll be covering week to week throughout this, uh, throughout this journey of a year. And... Uh, because some of it is subject to change. Right now, next week is The Godfather Part 2. I can't promise that. I'm pretty sure it'll be The Godfather Part 2. But if we have a change of heart, we have a change of heart. <laughs> it uh, no, I'm pretty confident next week will be The Godfather Part 2. However, we have an outline right now that'll probably get fucked with quite a bit on uh, on the way to 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, head to Instagram, follow at Penny Bloom Podcast, and remember... Peace, love, and bloom. And what a bitchin' babe.